Well, this morning, we're super excited about all that God is doing here. We're kicking off a new teaching for the month of September called Better Together. And if you've been around here a while, you know every September, we launch a brand new semester of groups. And my prayer is that every single adult that calls Sugar Hill Church home would be plugged into a group. In fact, my prayer is even people that don't call this place home yet would find a group that they could jump into because life really is better together. Sometimes the thing that's missing from our life is not actually a thing. Sometimes what's actually missing from our life is not something, but someone. And God uses groups in such a powerful way to help us find friendship and community and spiritual growth and, and just to become all that God's created us to be. And so if you haven't signed up for one yet, I wanna encourage you right after this gathering's over to head out into the lobby. If you're watching online, you can go to the website, sugarhill.church slash register or sugarhill.church slash adults. And you'll be able to either through this booklet or through our app or website, be able to narrow down. We've got over 50 groups to choose from different days of the week, uh, different focuses. So like on Sunday morning, let me just rattle a few of these off. On Sunday mornings at 9.30 and 11, we're offering what's called I was broke and now I'm not. So one of the greatest tensions in marriages is finances. And one of the greatest stressors in a lot of people's lives is the whole idea of money. Well, God wants you to win with money. God wants you to live with freedom. And so that's a great group for you to jump into. Also at 9.30, if you're a lady and you're looking for a ladies group, Miss Debbie McGrath has an unbelievable Bible study every Sunday morning, 9.30. If you're married or if you've, if you've got kiddos, uh, Danielle Sterner and Kevin Sterner, unbelievable people, have a heart for families. Uh, they have an incredible group at 9.30 on Sunday mornings. Uh, let me just write off a couple more. At 11 on Sunday, Steve and Sherry Harden, unbelievable people, unbelievable people incredible group, uh, going to be studying a Tony Evans and a Craig Groeschel study uh, this semester. Also, Jason and Gabby Odom. I saw Jason and Gabby was up here a few minutes ago singing. They have a group at 11. Derek Miller, who took a, a year off and said, hey, I just need to be in a group for a season with different transitions going on at work. He's coming off the bench and back into groups. And so we're excited about that. We have in the evenings on Sundays, Katie and Tyler Elrod. They're like, man, we just see a need for more groups. And I was like, amen. Uh, Amy Pierce is like an incredible teacher, one of the best teachers we have, has just a heart for ladies on Sunday nights. I, I could go on and on. I could literally go on and on. Lindsay Davis starting another group for young moms uh, in the evening. Pastor Chuck jumping in with a men's Bible study on Thursday mornings. Uh, Randall Patterson, Tuesday morning. Bobby McGraw, Wednesday nights, whoever that guy is. I've heard him, that's so good. I mean, there's a, are you catching the drift? There's a lot of groups to pick from. Are you catching that? And so I would encourage you to check out the brochure. If you want to interact with the potential group leader, jump on the app or the website. There's a way that you can actually email them and talk to them and find out more about it. My encouragement is to try them. Don't expect for the first one to be the best fit. It's okay to try several of them, but I do encourage you to get connected. Uh, before we dive in, let me tell you a few things that are coming up in the life of our church. One is what we call Celebrate Sugar Hill. So this is just in a few weeks. This is on the last Sunday of September where we are as a church leaving this building because you know that the church is not a building. You're the church. We're just happened to meet in this building. You get that, right? And so we're leaving the walls of this building and we're going across the street to the bowl at Sugar Hill and we're having a community-wide service. You're like, well, what does that mean? It means everybody is welcome. Uh, people that 
come to Sugar Hill, people that don't, invite them. So it's on September the 29th at 10 a.m. So it's a special service time from 10 to 11.30. And I wanted to go ahead and tell you about it. We told our leaders about it several weeks ago, but I wanted to tell you about it so that you could be praying about who you could invite that day. And so we're hitting pause on our normal Sunday morning experience and we're going across the street and it's gonna be unreal. And so that's coming up at the end of the month. And then in October, we're kicking off a teaching series called Underdogs and we're gonna look at people in the Bible that honestly had life stacked against them and God used them. And then in November, we get to celebrate all that God has been doing through the church. And then, hello, we've already had meetings about Christmas. Isn't that crazy to think about? We've had meetings about Christmas. In fact, in just a couple of weeks, Pastor Chuck will probably be listening to his Christmas playlist. So he starts pretty early. My mom told me she's here, so I'm gonna be on my best behavior. Um, she told me she already listens to Christmas music. so. Uh, it's going to be a great rest of the year. I hope that you'll be involved in it. Let me tell you about a couple of quick updates before I dive into the message. One is this number, 1,413. This is how many people were with us last Sunday. Isn't that unreal? Uh, the reason why I think this is such a significant number is because these represent people. And as you know, God matters. People matter knowing him matters. And so our heartbeat is every single week to help introduce people to him, to help people take next steps in their walk with him. Because the truth is every one of us has a next step in front of us. So that's pretty crazy. And then look at this list real quick, Virginia, Tennessee, Missouri, Georgia, Alabama, California. You ask the question, what do all these places have in common? What, what does Wales and Tennessee have in common or Mississippi and Indiana have in common? In the last two weeks, these are all places that watched us online. Isn't that amazing? In fact, in a given week, as many people are gathered here on a Sunday morning, will watch online throughout the week. Isn't that pretty unbelievable? And so if you're watching online, we love you guys. We're grateful you call Sugar Hill home. In fact, do y'all mind showing them some love this morning? Just say thanks for being part of what God is doing. Now, we, we never anticipate this replacing being in the room. I mean, there's something about being in the room, but if you're traveling sick or you just can't be here in person, man, we're so grateful you're part of this. 73 represents the number of people that have been baptized so far this year. So these are people that have taken that next step and said, I belong to him. We believe that's a really big deal. And so if you've given your life to Christ, but you've never been baptized, I wanna encourage you to reach out to us because this is a big deal. Jesus said, this is something we're supposed to do. This next number, 126, represents the number of people that this year have said, we want to officially call Sugar Hill Church our home, which I think is pretty awesome. When people say, hey, we're in this. We're not just gonna be spectators. We're gonna call this place home. We're gonna dive in and be part of this. 600 is one of my favorite numbers next to Salvation's Baptism, 600 is the number of people that volunteer at Sugar Hill Church. Think about, this is you guys. This is you guys. Uh, on any given Sunday, there's at least 300 people that volunteer to make Sunday mornings happen. And then that's not even counting throughout the week. If you're to gather everybody and all their schedules together, there's over 600 people. Man, we could not do what God's called us to do without you. And so this is a huge number to us. Uh, eight years ago, this number represented the amount of debt our church had. We were at $8.2 million worth of debt. If you're new around here, these facilities were all built in the last 20 or so years. And so we went into debt to do that at the time 
time, it made perfect sense. I'm so grateful for the vision and the folks that led the way because we couldn't do what we're doing today without these wonderful facilities and this great campus. But as you know, 2008 happened for all of us. And so the world changed financially after that. And so what we've found over the last several years is that amount of debt became crippling to us. And what that meant was God kept opening doors for more ministry and more mission, but we're having to make decisions based on cash flow. I mean, that's what we do in our personal lives too. You can have a budget, but if there's not money in the bank, then you're like, all right, what, where can, what makes the most sense? And so that's what we've been doing. Well, uh, as you know, back in the fall, if you've been around here, uh, we, you guys pledged over the next three years that we would give $2.7 million to help eliminate the debt. Well, so this is the debt eight years ago. Now today, the debt is just $3.9 million, which is huge. It's huge. And the reason why we think this number is so important, we wanna to get to zero as quickly as possible because we believe that God can use that zero to cause us to be able to be more generous to our mission partners, more generous to our community, plant more churches around the world, that this $3.9 million, once it's eliminated, we can do even more. It'll free up close to $400,000 a year so that we're not making decisions based on cash flow. We're making decisions based on God. What is your heartbeat? What is it you want us to do? And so if you're sitting around and you've got a six or seven figure check that you're just burning a hole in your pocket. Uh, we've got a vision for what more looks like. You could accelerate that vision by jumping in. And so, man, you, you guys have been generous. In fact, here's what's happened so far this year. You've given $1.7 million to our general budget. That's making sure kids ministry, student ministry, adult ministry, the, uh, all the, uh, the, our current ministry takes place. And, and since we kicked off our Imagine Zero campaign, you've given $765,000 to help help get to that zero number. So give yourselves a hand. That's worth celebrating. That's huge. That's huge. And again, I don't talk about money a lot. Pastor Chuck doesn't talk about money a lot, but I wanted to be able to just give you a quick update and let you know that, that what you're doing matters. It's making a big difference. In fact, in the middle of all of this, 615 represents the number of backpacks you packed and brought here to send down to the border to bless kids that were caught in the messy middle of life. And so you're like, hey, even in the middle of all this other giving you're doing, you guys gave 615 backpacks and it blessed families. Go on Pastor Chuck's blog and you can see pictures from that. 6,250 represents the number of backpacks in our own community in the calendar year of 2019. And so January up until today, this represents the number of backpacks you guys have helped provide food for to send home in our own community to families that ordinary kiddos that wouldn't have food on the weekends. And so that's a huge number. One of the things that we as a staff ask the question is not how much can we keep on campus, our heartbeat really is, how can we live frugally enough inside these walls that we can give more out, that we can be a blessing and not just do backpacks, but it's part of an overall strategy of helping people experience the love of God. And so that's a huge number. Let me tell you about a couple other things. Care Portal 
If you're not familiar with Care Portal, this is a great online resource that helps connect defects in our local community needs with our church. So many of you have signed up and you're part of this database, really, where defects can post a need and almost every single week, somebody within our church raises their hand and says, we wanna help meet that need. And so you guys are super involved, not just around the world, but here through Care Portal. So much so with Care Portal, not long ago, we were contacted so Chris Tomlin, the singer, has this foundation that has partnered with the Liberty University football team. So they've earmarked about $100,000 that they want to see used to help families in local communities. And so they looked across all the states and in Georgia, they picked one church to represent and help meet those needs in Georgia. And the one church that they met, that they chose was Sugar Hill Church. And so... So every week, the football team at Liberty is given a, a menu of needs to meet and they get to pick which one. And then they call us and we get to meet that need and then they provide the funds to do that. Isn't that pretty amazing? That's pretty amazing to get to jump in. Let me tell you about a couple of other quick things. This is Hardest. This is the uh, new-ish uh, assisted living community that's just down the road in Swanee. Well, they've reached out and they've been working with uh, Pastor Neil back here about starting a worship gathering for their residents. And so starting next Sunday, every other week, Pastor Neil and some of our team are gonna be part of being the light in the feet of Jesus in this community, which we think that's pretty amazing. We love that. We love that. So if you're a piano player, if you're a singer, see Pastor Neil right after this service. That would be awesome. And then as you know, we've uh, our Sugar Hill Espanol, who's meeting right now over in the chapel, they have helped plant a church in Benicasm, Spain. And next week they have one of their early, I think it's their second or third public gathering. And so you guys help make all of this possible out of your generosity. So would you just give the Lord a hand and thank him for how good he's been to our church. and. Uh, we couldn't do this alone. We're doing this together. In fact, let me take just a second. I wish I could do this for everybody in the room, but let me take just a second. Miss Sue Mikulski, if you don't mind, could you join me just real quick? Can I put you on the spot? Is that all right? You got to put your shoes back on. She's like ready. She's comfortable, right? Uh, when I showed you that number of how many backpacks have gone out in just 2019, that's been for the whole year. Uh, weekly, that number fluctuates based on the needs within our community. And I believe this last week we had the largest number, 300 and 18. 318 backpacks that went out this week. And Miss Sue, we've got a team that helps with this, but Miss Sue figures out the menu looks at our shelves, goes out and shops for whatever we don't have with Ron, my husband. With Ron who's up in the booth right now. And y'all are a huge, huge part of making this happen. So can we show some love to Miss Sue and say thank you because we really are better and we've got a card and some flowers for you. We love you guys and we really are better because of you. And so we're so, so grateful. Thanks, Susan. And so, man, thanks for letting me take just a moment to give you a couple of quick updates because I figure on a holiday weekend, it's just family here, right? It's just family. No, I know we've got, uh, if you're new around here, you're part of the family now because you've been part of this school. Well, today I mentioned we're talking about better together. 
And honestly, this is going to be a great teaching. It's going to get better as the weeks go on. So if there was a Sunday to miss in the series, it was today. I've seen what Pastor Chuck is talking about next week. It's going to be unbelievable. And so I want to encourage you to be back for next week and this whole month. I mean, it really is this idea of better together. But here's my heartbeat behind days like this. Uh, The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 29, without vision, people what? Perish. That's what the King James Version says. Without vision, the people perish. A paraphrased version of that is when you can't see as God sees, you end up tripping over yourself. And I don't, I don't know if you've lived that in your own life. I know I've lived it in my own life. Whenever I talk to groups of leaders, I often say the hardest person to lead is to lead yourself. If y'all experienced that in your own life, it's easy to tell everybody else how to do it. I saw some of you doing it as armchair quarterbacks yesterday. Um, and so it's, it's easier to tell other people what to do. It's harder in our own lives. And, and maybe we've lived life long enough that we've gotten into some messes in our life. We've, done, we've had some drama in our life. Maybe you've lived long enough that you've seen stuff blow up in your life. And here, here's what I would maybe say about that. Maybe the drama or the stuff that you've lived through really isn't about the drama. Maybe it's about seeing as God sees because when we don't see as God sees, we end up tripping over ourselves. We end up in messes. Life gets messy. Life blows up. And maybe the reason why we're living in the mess that we're living in is because we've never seen our life as God sees it. Are y'all tracking with me? Maybe we've never seen as God sees. Maybe we've never said, God, maybe you've got a picture for my marriage. Maybe God, you've got a picture for my finances. Maybe God, you've got a picture for the internal struggles that I have. If you don't see as God sees, then it's really hard to do what he wants you to do. And you end up tripping up over. And my heartbeat, Pastor Chuck's heartbeat, our church's heartbeat is to see you discover God's best and to live that best and to live it out. And so that's part of better together. That's part of us saying there's a way that God's wired us for us to be in community with other people. And so what I wanna do today is I wanna call out probably the biggest hurdle to this whole month. Probably the biggest pushback for this whole concept of better together is all of us have a story of when we've thought it was better when we were alone. In other words, we've tried to do the whole community thing before and we got hurt. We tried to live in community with our family or with our friends or maybe even a small group or a church and something went wrong. And so even just introducing that this is gonna be four weeks, some of you are already tempted to check out because you're like, I don't know if it's always better together. I don't know if that's the case. I mean, if we're to pass the microphone around, all of us would have stories of hurt and scars and words that were said and things that that hurt us. And honestly, it's caused us to think about quitting. I don't know if you've been there before, if you've ever been like, man, if this is the way it's gonna be, I'm out of here. Hey, if this is the way people are gonna be, I'm done. Hey, if that's the way family's gonna treat me, then I'm out of here. Well, what I wanna do this morning is I wanna show you in scripture an encouragement. It's what I call worth the fight. It's this idea that if we're not careful, something dies inside of us. If we're not careful, a little piece of us begins to retreat. If we're not careful, we'll buy the idea that it's safer when we back away. And so today I wanna to give you some encouragement about this fight that comes in scripture. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter four. If you wanna follow along in your Bible or in the app, uh, if you've got an iPhone, an iPad or your eyelids, you can watch on the screen as well. The jokes get worse as the morning goes on, thanks. But in 2 Corinthians 4, it's written by a guy named Paul who had a lot of reason to quit. 
Paul had a lot of reason to walk away. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter four, he opens this part of the letter by saying, because of this, we do not quit. He closes chapter four by saying, because of this, we do not quit. And so anytime in scripture, you see a phrase repeated, we do not quit at the beginning, we do not quit at the bottom. It's this reminder that what comes in the middle is how to not quit, how to not give up, how to fight for your heart in the middle of disappointment. So the first thing, if you're a note taker this morning that I have you write down just as a recommendation of how do you fight for your heart is number one, identify the cause. In other words, determine what is the thing that's causing you to wanna quit? What is the thing that's causing you to doubt? What is the thing that's causing you to want to give up? For Paul, he had a lot of reasons to give up. In fact, here's what he says in verse, verses one and two. He says, therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. Another way of saying that is we do not lose heart. We never give up. Instead, we reject all the shameful deeds and the underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone. We don't try to distort the word of God. We tell the truth of God and all who are honest know this. This is Paul saying, look, I could give up. Why would he give up? Because there are people saying, Paul, you're just trying to trick people. Why? Because there are people that are saying, you're not being honest, you're twisting the truth. And so if anybody had a reason to give up, Paul had it. He's trying to serve God. He's trying to tell people about him. He's trying to pass on the good news of Jesus. And yet people are lying about him. People are questioning his motives. People are saying, Paul, you're just in it for yourself. If you were to read this whole letter, Paul over and over again is defending himself. He had a reason to give up. And the truth is, if we pass the microphone around the room today, all of us have a reason to give up. All of us could say, well, that person wronged me. That per and so here's what I would say. Start with identifying the cause. What is it that causes you to want to quit? Give it a name. Is it doubt that's crept into your life? Is it disappointment? Something didn't turn out the way that you thought it should? Is it some health issue, something that you didn't see coming and it sort of sidelined you? Maybe it's the meltdown of a marriage. Maybe it's a meltdown at work. What is that thing that's causing you to want to quit? In fact, if you're a note taker, Underneath this first point, here's sort of the application that I would encourage you to write down. Don't make a permanent decision based on a temporary situation. That's the danger. The danger is for hurt to set in. Maybe you've been lied to. Maybe things didn't turn out as planned. Maybe, maybe there's drama with the kids. Maybe there's, there's people gossiping about you. And if we're not careful, we'll make a permanent decision. We're like, all right, if that's the way it's gonna be, I'm done. If that's the way they're gonna be, I'm never gonna be around them again. If this is what it looks like, then I'm out of here. And if we're not careful, we end up making a permanent decision based on a temporary situation. And so I'm not saying everything we've been through is okay. I'm not giving people a free pass, but what I am saying is before you make a big decision, identify the cause. Whenever I'm talking to student leaders, I talk to students about this. I said, don't ever make a decision when you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. I don't know about you, but if I'm hungry, I'm not always thinking clearly. Do any of y'all get hangry? Are you not afraid to admit that? If you're angry, that's a bad time to make a decision at work or somewhere else. If you're lonely, that's a terrible time to make some life altering decision. If you're tired, that's not a good time. And so the reminder is halt before you make a big decision, 
hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, pause, identify the issue. So that's where it starts with Paul, identify the cause. Here's the second thing, if you're a note taker, stay grounded, stay grounded. He says in verses five and six, he says, you see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. So he's grounding himself. He's like, all right, here's how I stay grounded. This is why I don't give up. I'm remembering that Jesus Christ is Lord. And then he goes on to say, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. He says, for God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so that we can know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Christ. So one of the things that's so powerful about Paul is he learned to live in the face of Christ. He learned to realize, hey, Jesus is with me. I'm not alone. If I know him personally, he's walking with me. He doesn't just say, hey, good luck with that. He learned to live in the face of Christ. And so here's my recommendation for all of us is that we would remind ourselves of who he is and what he's done. That when you're tempted to quit, that you'd sort of rehearse in your mind everything that God has done. Remember who he is and what he's done. And here's some reminders about that, that Jesus is in control. He's in control that he is the light in the darkness and that he gives us what we need. This is how you stay grounded. Because most of the time when we're tempted to quit, it's our emotions are all over the place. Our emotions are real, but they're not always right. And if we aren't careful, we don't stay grounded. We make decisions based on circumstances. We make decisions about somebody else. And if we're not careful, we sit in the leadership seat of our life and we forget Jesus is still in control. He is still the light in the darkness and he gives us what we need. So it's this reminder to stay grounded. Then here's the third takeaway is to lighten up. And honestly, when I first put this message together, I was preaching it to myself. And so when I put a lighting up, really that was for me. Uh, as a good pastor, I probably would have gone back and changed it for you guys to say, hey, live with grace or extend grace to others. That probably would have been a nicer way of saying it. So forgive me, this is really, I'm preaching to myself today. It's this reminder to lighten up. Well, what do I mean by that? Listen to what Paul says down in verse seven. He says, we now have this light shining in our hearts. So he's talking about this message, this gospel, this life change that we've been singing about and talking about. He says, we have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars. Have you read this verse before? The translation I learned growing up is we have this treasure in earthen vessels. So he's using this metaphor of clay pots in his day and age. He's, he's like, look, 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 this, this message from God is unbelievable, but it's still in fragile clay jars. In other words, he's saying nobody's perfect. I mean, we're all fragile clay jars. All of us have nicks and cracks and bumps and, and uh, you know, just, you know, the clay uh, is misshapen or whatever. He's saying we have an unbelievable message, but the, the container that it's in is fragile. He says, containing this great treasure, this makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. A lot of times what I've found is I focus on the end of the verse, this great power is from God and not from ourselves. And then I forget that we're all fragile clay pots, clay jars. Are you tracking with me? That nobody's perfect. Nobody's arrived. No matter how long they've been in church or no matter how, how long they've known Christ, nobody has it all together. And so here's the simple reminder that we're all broken vessels. 
And the reason why I put it in my notes for myself to lighten up is because I know this in my head, but I don't always live it out because I, I know in my head, nobody's perfect. I know in my head, we're not in heaven yet. I know in my head that we haven't all, we haven't, none of us have arrived yet, that if we're still breathing, then God's not done with us. I know that in my head, but then I still find myself getting ticked off when people aren't perfect around me. Are you tracking with me? I get ticked off with myself when I'd make some dumb decision. And so it's this reminder, we need to lighten up. Why? Because we're all broken. And one of the number one reasons why people leave the church today is because they experience a broken person. We can't avoid that. I mean, that's why even on the side of our building, it says we're the perfect place for folks that aren't because we realize everybody's a broken vessel. Nobody's perfect. And I, and I talk to people all the time that's like, well, I can't go to church. Why? Because it's so full of hypocrites. Have you heard that before? Well, I went to the mall this week and I saw some people that had terrible fashion sense. Hypocrites. I went to the gym even this morning and there's people that work out at my gym that are out of shape, hypocrites. I bought a dozen eggs once and got home and there was a cracked egg. It was the hypocritical egg. I told you the jokes get worse. I still go to the mall. I still go to the gym. I still buy eggs. We're all fragile. Again, I'm not, I'm not downplaying what people have said or done, but what I am saying is we need to extend grace because nobody's perfect. Everybody has a bad day, don't they? Everybody's got a past. Everybody's got history. And maybe in that moment, it didn't seem right. And again, I'm not saying what they did was okay, but what I am saying is instead of assuming the worst, I'm gonna believe the best and realize that God still is working on Are y'all tracking with me? Is that an okay place to give an amen? Would that be all right? I feel like I'm preaching to myself here for a second. We're all fragile. And then here's the last one, number four, that we would fuel our faith. That we'd fuel our faith that in the middle of doubts and disappointment and distrust that we would begin to fuel our faith. Here's what Paul says in verse 13. He says, but we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith that the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. So Paul's like, I, I could have given up, but I'm still preaching. I could have walked away and said, all right, if you're accusing me of wrong motives and lying and twisting the truth, I'm done. I don't have to do this anymore. But he says, no, I keep preaching. I pre keep doing this. And he, he goes on to say, we know, we know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. And he goes on and he says this, he says in verse 16, he says, that is why we never give up. That's why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every single day for our present troubles, look at this phrase, are small and they won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Paul is saying, you know what? This isn't fun. Paul's saying, you know what? This isn't what I voted for, but what I realized in light of eternity that these things are actually quite small. Now, I, I'm not trying to downplay what you're going through because they feel big in the moment. I know it feels big in my own life when there's something causing me to doubt and have discouragement, but to remember that, that they're actually small, they're not gonna last very long. Verse 18 says it this way, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now, instead we fix our gaze, we fix our eyes on what cannot be seen. Paul's reminding us that 
that all there is isn't all that we see, that there's an unseen in front of us. He says, for the things we see now will soon be gone. That's a great reminder. The temporary situation will soon be gone. That temporary frustration will soon be gone. But then he goes on and he says, but the things we cannot see will last, how long? Forever. In other words, what Paul is saying is we don't live for the moment. We live for eternity. And so I don't know who this word is for today, but I know that uh, in a meeting with our small group leaders and I know in a meeting with our staff, this was the word that God used to stir in our hearts. And it seems like since then, I've met a lot of people that have been discouraged and a lot of people that have wanted to quit. And the reminder is that life really is better together. Doesn't mean it's gonna be easy. Doesn't mean that it's gonna be without problems. But what it does mean is that those problems can point us to the one that's preparing us for all eternity. And so what I wanna do is I wanna, man, I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray with you. I wanna pray for what God's doing. And I do wanna encourage you to jump into a group because man, that's one of the best ways that I know how God works in our lives. But if you don't mind very quietly, very reverently, if you don't mind very quietly, just to stand with me for prayer. And this morning, as you stand for prayer, I'm gonna ask every head bow, every eye closed. Is there anybody in the house today that would just say, Bobby, as you pray, pray for me? Because honestly, I am going through a season of doubt. I'm going through a season of discouragement. I'm tempted to quit. Maybe even on the ride in today, you're like, man, this is it, I'm done. Maybe it's an ongoing thing, but you just be honest. Nobody else looking around. You just say, hey, Bobby, if you don't mind, would you pray for me? If that's you, would you just slip your hand straight up in the air, straight up in the air? Yeah. Yeah. If you're watching online, you can drop us an email at prayer at sugarhillchurch.com, prayer at sugarhillchurch.com. Or if you're watching on Facebook, you can comment below. But man, God sees our hands and obviously he knows our hearts. And so this morning, before we move, before we do anything else, we wanna be able to pray for you and with you. In fact, we've got some of our team and some of our prayer team that's just in a moment, just gonna be spread out across the front here. And maybe this morning you, you wanna come to one of these amazing people and say, hey, would you pray with me? Would you pray for me? I would invite you to do that. Or maybe today you don't wanna pray with somebody. You just want to pray to your heavenly father. This altar is going to be open. This step right here at the bottom of the stage. It's not special, but it is powerful with our, when our heads, our hearts, and our whole bodies bow down before the Lord and say, God, I'm bringing you this thing that's caused me to want to quit. This relationship that's gone wrong, this misunderstanding that's been blown out of proportion, this health scare that I didn't see coming, whatever that thing is, to bring it to the one that can walk you through it. So I'm gonna pray for us. And as I'm praying, I'm gonna invite our team that's gonna help us to pray. If you don't mind, go ahead and make your way in place. Heavenly Father, we come to you realizing that you're the author and you're the perfecter of our faith, that you're still the light that shines into dark areas, that the same spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead can raise anything dead inside of us back to life. I pray that even now in this room that there would be life happening. I pray online and in the replays that life would be happening, that your light would be seen. So we continue in this attitude of prayer and this, this time of worship. 
Some of our team is here. Some of our prayer team is here. This altar's open. If you need prayer this morning, if you wanna come and pray, it just takes one person to break the ice. It just takes one person to come and say, hey, I'm gonna bring my need to the Lord and bring it to the altar. As we continue in this time of prayer, I invite you to come. If you're in the back, there's plenty of time for you to come. If you're in the middle of the row, people are fine with you stepping over there and come in. Man, let's spend some time and allow the Spirit of God to work in our hearts this morning. As Zach leads us, we'll sing this out. This altar's open. These prayers are here. I invite you to come. out as we pray. Way make miracle this altar's open. Our prayer team's here. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. up to him. Let's sing this out. That is who you are. Yes, that is who you are. That is who you are. That is who you are. You're the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who hearts. It's a great reminder to sing that God is the way maker. God has the amazing ability to reach into the dark, hurtful circumstances of our life. And he's able to pull something good out of it. Sometimes people are like, man, I've made too much of a mess of my life. And the good news is that God can still reach in doesn't mean that his timetable is our timetable. It doesn't mean that his plan is the way that we would plan it out. But man, I've seen it. I've seen God do something amazing through seemingly impossible circumstances. And so I wanna pray that for us and believe that for us today. If you're still praying here, you're welcome to do that. Some of our team's gonna hang out even after this gathering's over. So if you still need prayer, I invite you to come. But let's pray together. Heavenly Father, You've seen our hands and you know what's going on in our hearts. Father, we bring the broken pieces of our life to you. And we pray that if it would please you, you'd put them back together again. And God, when we're tempted to lose heart and we're tempted to quit, God, would you help us to sense that you're near us? Would you help us to sense that your power is still present there? And that God, through those moments that we can lean on you, Father, I pray that marriages would be strengthened. 
I pray that relationships would be restored. I pray that health issues would be resolved. I pray that dead hearts would come to life in you. We thank you for this, believing it in the strong and matchless name of Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you guys. We're so grateful you are here today. We hope you have an incredible rest of your weekend and that you'll join us next Sunday as Pastor Chuck continues Better Together. Love you guys. Have a great rest of your weekend.